that take us back to the second chapter. If you remember, there was, um, at, in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has these visions, and he calls in all the chief magicians and the astrologers and wants them, without telling them anything about the dream, to both tell him the dream and interpret it. And Daniel, through intentionality and prayer um, and great tact, is able to both tell the dream and interpret it. Um, and, his, and at that point, our practice was prayer partners. The importance of having people encircle us um, and be with us as we pray through a difficult situation. Here, Daniel is the one who is in need of interpretation. And if you remember, you know, he's just deeply troubled um, by these images. And yet, at the same time, um, Daniel, uh, in verse 7, 28, uh, keeps the matter to himself. He dwells with God. Daniel doesn't go out and create an amygdala hijack among the whole community. Oh, you wouldn't believe the dream I had. I'm so anxious about it. Will you be anxious with me? Instead, with deep, deep intentionality, Daniel remains connected to God. And we have our living testimony of how easy it is when we're engaged in, in faithful actions to get dis disconnected from God. And the beauty is always, always we have the chance to begin again. So with Daniel 8, we have another vision. But the difference with this vision is it's a waking vision. It is unfolding um, as he is out and about before his very eyes, and it is a terrifying vision. So in verses 1 through 14, we have the vision of a ram and a goat. We're going to go into some interpretation of that. Um, and then 15 through 27 actually says the interpretation. The memory verse. The question is, how long will it take for this vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and the host that will be trampled underfoot. You can feel the burden and the pain in that. How long are we going to continue to feel under siege? With this vision, two years has elapsed since the vision of the four beasts. And while there are parallels, as I said, this comes in waking consciousness. And it leaves Daniel exhausted. And he's actually physically ill for several days. He's appalled by the vision. In verses 26 through 7, we're told that it's beyond understanding. Yet there is hope. The Hebrew word in this passage that is used for vision, the root word means to be made healthy and strong. So I want you to think about some of the living visions that we have before us today. At the risk of getting um, into a place that might feel political, I want you to think about what's coming out of Parkland. 
and we have a living vision and the possibility within it to be made healthy and strong. So in Daniel's vision and the eighth chapter, the intent of the vision is to bring people to repentance even as it makes clear that the judgment is certain for those who resist God and oppose God's people. The vision points to strongholds born of ill-gained and ill-used power. And so what we find in this vision, and we're going to read through the first 14 verses in just a second, is that each kingdom is overcome by force. Babylon, Babylon by Medo-Persia, Medo-Persia by Greece, Greece by Rome. And those in power use deceit to prosper and make themselves feel superior. Such is the way of the ram, Medo-Persia, and the goat, Greece, as well as the stern-faced king who was a master of intrigue, who we'll encounter in verse 23. But here's the interesting thing. Again, we're, we are going back to the first six chapters, and this time to the writing on the wall with the word intrigue, which in Aramaic literally means riddles. So remember, when Daniel sees the writing on the wall, he actually doesn't create further riddles, but he untangles the knot, the literal translation. So just as the king of riddles, of deception, causes astounding destruction, so Daniel, as a man of riddles, is able to untangle the knots and make sense of it all. And the difference between the two men provide a stark contrast. In an age of fake news and crazy-making, we have the opportunity to keep coming back to our core identity in Christ and out of our core identity to allow in that dwelling with God our character daily to be transformed degree by degree so that we come to more fully reflect the image of God. When we offer these practices, it is with deep intention, as instructed by the text, that allows us to become masters of untangling riddles in a time where we are daily confronted by them. Again and again, the Pentateuch will say, I set before you this day life and death. Choose life that you may live. And that's the invitation we receive from Daniel in this passage. I want you to think um, of this almost as a hunting scope where there are multiple layers of magnification in the text because it's not just looking back, as Michael um, you know, challenges us to remember, at what has happened, but it's also looking at a cosmic battle and it's moving through the layers. And as people of light we are called not to get so much hooked in the finger-pointing at different individuals, not hooked at all, 
but instead to step back and realize that um, systemically we're in a place of deep spiritual warfare. And as people of the light, we are called to participate in the breaking down of the strongholds. Jesus began his own ministry with these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's not for us to determine the time of our Lord's return. Our job is to live in such a way that God's will might be fulfilled through us. Daniel provides the model of that. And so with that little sort of introduction, if you will, to the eighth chapter, I'd like us to actually take a moment to um, reflect on the first 14 verses. So you get to share it if you want, but we need some readers. And Dan is coming. He's got you, Don. Whoops, he's got you, Kent. Is it on? Better? In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. I looked in the vision, and when I was looking, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is the providence of Ilm. And I looked in the vision, and I myself was beside the Uli Canal. Then I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a ram which had two horns was standing in front of the canal. Now the two horns were long, but one was longer than the other, with the longer one coming up last. I saw the ram budding westward, northward, southward, and no other beast could stand before him. Let's um, have another reader take us then down to 14. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came towards the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and towards the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him and placed 
and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the hosts that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Oh, so I want you around your tables to take a look at um, Mark uh, on the end times, Mark 13, 33 through 36. And then I want you to reflect on what we've just read at your table. Remembering what Michael has told us, that there is revelation here, but the intent is not to take it literally. It is to actually receive a message that was given in a way that could keep the author safe. So spend some time reflecting on what is the purpose of Daniel's vision here? Um, And why does Jesus and Mark 13 tell us to watch? And how are the signs to inform our living in this time? That's the question that's in your booklets. Insights. Why would we read Daniel 8? What is the purpose? How might this speak into our present context? And Dan is going to be around with the microphone. (laughs) What thoughts came out of your conversation? Wow, you weren't that quiet at your tables. I know someone who loves to talk. (laughs) Hello, Benjamin. I give you special degrees for that. Um, So what we came up with uh, as we were chatting, um, it wasn't so much about specifically anything from uh, current situations or anything like that, but it was a mixture of uh, don't get caught up in the midst of the, I think Michael said, lower K kingdom. Um, so that sense of, you know, what's going on in the world around us. Uh, we don't need to fear the Babylons, if you will. We don't need to fear the Persias. We don't need to fear the Greece. Uh, you know, we don't need to fear the, the uh, nations that overtake, so to speak, um, when we're caught up in the midst of the terrible situation, whatever that is. Because ultimately, that's not the end of the story. Uh, but also, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we don't get caught up when our lower K kingdom is doing well either uh, to say that, you know, rah, rah, us, aren't we so great? God must be on our side um, because we can easily uh, fall into the same trap. Uh, and so don't, get, don't, don't be so concerned about the lower K kingdom. Worry about the upper K kingdom. Well, which gets us a little bit to where Jack was pressing us to go last week in terms of Kronos and Kairos time. 
and how do we dwell in the already and not yet of God's reign? Um, nurturing those um, places of life where we do see them um, bearing you know, witness to God even as we attend to those times when we find the, the reigns of this world, the kingdoms of this world in direct contradiction to care of people and planet. Anyone else before we go into the next half of the book, uh, chapter? Oh, and then Edith. Fear not seems to be the theme of the Bible, period. Indeed. And the other is that we were to be alert for the next moment of God's action all the time, not project. Yeah. Wow. So there we go. Fear not and watch. Be alert. Edith had some thoughts. Well, a, a bit of variation on what's already been said is that so much of this sounds like watching for the danger or the threat, and yet there's also kind of a, a nod towards where is God, where is right. where is the, you know, God moving, so that looking for the positive in the midst of mm -hmm. all of the turmoil. And that's uh, perfect because it it both um, talks about where we were in Daniel 7, that he held it to himself. He didn't go out and cause um, high anxiety, but held it. And now we tip in um, and we have a visit from a messenger of God, um, one who we will encounter again, Gabriel. So let's go ahead and read verses 15 through 27. And the mic is coming your way. Correct. Okay. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this. So he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth concerning the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron. Uh, yeah, this we're in eight, but that oh, was gosh, beautiful. Sorry. Because <laughs> that's all right. We'll I'm like, so the Holy Spirit intends for us to really reconnect. <laughs> we revisited. Okay. <laughs> so. So from, it's funny it divided at the same verse. I think that's why. I, I know. Isn't okay, that? so 15. We'll do it again. Gabriel interprets the vision, the other one. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I tried to understand it. Then someone appeared standing before me, having the appearance of a man. And I heard a human voice by the Ulai calling, Gabriel, help this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I became frightened and fell prostrate. But he said to me, understand, O mortal, that the vision is for the time of the end. As he was speaking to me, I fell into a trance, face to the ground. Then he touched me and set me on my feet. He said, listen, and I will tell you what will take place later in the period of wrath, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Medea and Persia. The male goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between its eyes is the first king. 
As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. At the end of their rule, when the transgressions have reached their full measure, a king of bold countenance shall arise, skilled in intrigue. He shall grow strong in power, shall cause fearful destruction, and shall succeed in what he does. He shall destroy the powerful and the people of the holy ones. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall be great. Without warning he shall destroy many, and shall even rise up against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken, and not by human hands. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. As for you, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. So I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business. But I was dismayed by the vision and did not understand it. Do you feel the inherent tension in it? So the word of hope is given. Um, we, are, we are told, uh, you know, once again, um, that this is, this is not the final word, but seal up this vision. Do not be immobilized by it. You must continue to live in this chronos time. And Daniel does just that. I mean, he, you know, he is, is ill unto his bed for several days, but then he gets up and he serves the king and he goes about his work. There is a lot that could immobilize us in our daily living today. You know, just um, hitting on to Facebook and seeing what comes up first thing in the morning or any of the, the news stations is enough to send you back to bed. But the reality is that we are called to dwell in the already and not yet of God's reign even in the midst of the chaos. And as Jesus is to later say of the time and place, you will not know. So, fear not, and be alert. And so, um, I want you to take a little time and reflect on, um, on verses 23 through 25, and then verse 27, in terms of the implications for how we might live faithfully. Remember, we're looking at Daniel um, in terms of faithful living uh, in anxious times. How does this potentially instruct us? Because uh, again, we have the master of intrigue. Well, so is Daniel. A master not of intrigue, but of untying the knots. What are the implications for us? Let's just take two to three minutes, and then we're going to reflect on strongholds to come back together again and we're going to lead off with some wisdom no no dan yours comes first what was your aha moment so on verse 27 it was just the realization that daniel was probably uh, depressed um you know he lay exhausted is a nice way to say that but he came to his senses when he realized that god was really in control that this king, this evil, was overcome by the goodness of God. And when he reconnected with that, he was able to get up and get about his business. And I'm reading everything now in Daniel through that lens or through that cipher of ex eventu prophecy. So if this was written after the fact, um, 
for me, it's almost as if Daniel is writing, saying, uh, look at all the things that have happened to us. Uh, God was in it all, right? God did not abandon us. Uh, this, uh, this God that we worship, he's been here the whole time orchestrating things from behind the scenes and the evil that persists, uh, will be, uh, taken down. Well, God will, uh, God's got this, right? As it says there in, um, where was it now? In 25, uh, he shall be broken and not by human hands. God is in this and God will uh, uh, conquer over evil. Thank you. Any other insights to share or questions? History. It's on. History repeats itself. It does, and indeed. And so the Bible speaks throughout yeah. eternity. History does repeat itself. Um, we forget, and in our forgetting, we repeat. All right, I want us to take the the last five minutes to look at our practice for the coming week. And our practice um, for the coming week is to pray down strongholds. Do any of you um, know or have a definition of strongholds? Have any of you ever participated in praying down strongholds? Strongholds. Kate. Well, here comes Dan. Besides that, <laughs> I have a little bit of knowledge about it, but I've never participated in praying them down. Um, I don't know a ton about strongholds, but I have a little bit family background talking about it. So, okay, um, Edith. Thought somebody's going to talk about their mean boss. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going there. So, um, my, my experience with strongholds has been about anything that, as we're talking in Daniel, anything that that lifts itself beyond or above who God is, power and influence, and and so sometimes um, people talk about that in terms of addictions um, that can take root and and just blind us um and and so that the the idea of overcoming strongholds is is twofold is one and probably primary is refocusing like we've been talking about on god's greatness god's power god's faithfulness to to remind us of the supremacy of god and and that in the process that that helps us to reduce the power or see a lesser influence and impact of what we really thought was too powerful. Thank you. Listen to Edith. So my working definition of strongholds is refers to those harmful attachments that threaten our relationship with both God and with others. And often um, we see those attachments um, 
coming out in, um, in forms of addiction or over-attachment um, to those things that do not bear life. Uh, Daniel's vision points to the stronghold of evil in the time of Israel as they were ruled in the exile and following. But whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual in origins, um, strongholds are areas of bondage where we feel like we have no control over our lives. Um, and, and so, you know, what's really important for us to um, reconnect with is that we do have agency. And our agency is gifted to us in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And the key means by which we pray down strongholds, whether they are personal to us individually or within our family or in our communities, is through prayer and scripture. Um, there was a season where we had um, just serious addiction in Pacific Beach. 70% um, of the community were between the ages of 18 and 35. And it was a college town, and there was 99 bars and 2.4 square miles, um, and a lot of um, access to drugs. And so the, sh uh, the coast line clergy actually came together with our churches um, and we began to prayer walk through the community just to pray for healing and wholeness um, of the community and for a yielding from those addictions. Now we did other concrete things as well. I mean we worked with addiction counselors uh, and we put together programs through our churches. But that prayer was really, really important. Um, and we used scripture as we prayed, um, just naming it. And part of how we began was to actually take Ephesians. So we took the armor of God in Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 and following, and we would daily put on the armor of God for ourselves and for our community. So Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty powder, power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. You know, all too often, it is really easy to get distracted by what's going on on a surface level as opposed to standing far enough back to look at the systemic levels that are triggering the behaviors and the addictions um, and life that is not life. For our struggle, Paul writes, is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, the apostle tells us, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. It's not, one. hold on, it's not by mistake that we focused last week on centering prayer. It's not by mistake that we looked early on at prayer partners. There is, if you will, a, a rule of life in these practices that we have been looking at over the last eight weeks of studying Daniel. And each practice supports and builds into the next practice. Without centering prayer, it becomes more difficult to put on the armor of God. But when we daily enter into that relationship, or when we find ourselves distracted by distraction and caught up in the anxiety of the time, all 
always, we begin again. And that in turn allows us to put on the armor. And note what the armor is. Um, So to put on the full armor is to stand with the belt of truth buckled around the waist. But what is the belt of truth? Truth for us is the person of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth for us is embodied in our Lord. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness and the feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace because we are ambassadors of peace. And when we bear peace, we have the agency to impact an entire anxious system. But we can't give what we don't have. So again, I come back to centering prayer. And again, I come back to prayer partners. Because I'll tell you what, for me, it took a long time to be able, well, there was a season when I did dwelt well with God, and then a season when I was scattered and diffused. And it took prayer partners and a Tizay worshiping community to dwell in silence every morning at 7 a.m. We're not supposed to do this alone. We need one another. But when we, out of that centering in God, that prayer of the heart, put on the full armor of God, we are able to get back from the personalizing of it all and look at the systemic issues that are driving um, the, the destruction, quite frankly, and the brokenness and the pain. So I will tell you that we ultimately did um, use the prayer of Jericho to encircle the whole community of Pacific Beach. We walked that community seven days in a row, and we actually did have someone blow a horn. And, um, and God gifted us with a partnership with Set Free Ministries. And um, that's a longer story because we've got a break for church um, and worship for those who were not at the first service. But this I want to say to you. Over this next week, if you do nothing more, don't try to figure out what the strongholds are. God will tell you. But just pray each morning, putting on the full armor of God. And then we'll check back in next week on that, okay? Um, you have details in your study guides, uh, and, and it will kind of guide you through it. But just kind of visually pray through what it means to put on that armor. So let's close with a word of prayer. Holy God, once again we give you thanks for the living witness of Daniel, faithful man of God self-differentiated man of God who, attentive to his relationship with you, was, shows us a way in our anxious times. So be with us in this coming week as we continue to uh, be intentional about how we dwell with you and how we might put on your full armor as we go forth as ambassadors of peace. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen.